Hi, this is Mary Coughlin, and I want to welcome you to the Care Out Loud podcast, presented to you by Caring Essentials Collaborative, founder of the Trauma-Informed Professional Certificate Program and internationally recognized leader in trauma-informed developmentally supportive education for parents and professionals serving babies, children, and families in crisis around the globe. I'm wicked excited you're here as we talk about caring out loud. In each moment lies a unique opportunity to create a kinder, more connected and compassionate world one moment at a time. And it all begins with you. Today's episode is with Emily Solomon. Best described as passionate, determined, and reliable, Emily is an environmental educator with a Master's of Science in Marine Biology from Nova Southeastern University's Oceanographic Center and a Bachelor's of Science in Marine Biology from the University of South Florida. Her academic background focused on coral reef ecology, environmental conservation initiatives and strategies, as well as climate change. In grad school, Emily's thesis investigated toxicological effects of sunscreen on reef organisms following a case study by the Coral Restoration Foundation. Her most recent position specialized in marine debris, plastic pollution and production, and sustainability initiatives that focused on upstream solutions to plastic pollution following the United Nations Sustainable Development Goals. Not only are the environmental sciences Emily's career field of choice, but also her passion in preserving and protecting our blue planet. She is currently a National Geographic certified educator, teaching high school biology, marine science, and planetary health at an independent school in South Florida. Being a lifelong Florida native and working alongside various organizations, Emily has an extremely varied set of skills and is dedicated to giving 100% in everything she pursues, especially when it involves nature. When she's not trying to save the world, Emily enjoys dabbling in the fine arts and exploring our national parks. Welcome to episode 15 with the incredible Emily Solomon. So I am just so wicked excited to interview my next guest, Emily Solomon. I met Emily, gee whiz, several years ago. I want to say it was pre-pandemic, wasn't it, Emily? I think it, I think it was. Yeah, it was around that time. Yeah. yeah. And Emily's mom is also a NICU nurse and a good friend. And she was sharing about her daughter, Emily, and the work that she's doing as a marine biologist and an educator. And, and how some of the some of your interests were around this idea of planetary health. And so I started getting a you know bee in my bonnet about the relevance of maybe a trauma-informed par- a paradigm from a planetary perspective and figured Emily would be the best person on the planet to talk to about this because I don't know anybody in that world. And we just had the best conversations. We did a wicked cool summit and had a big turnout. Lots of people were really, really interested in the concept. And of course, you know, things are only escalating, at least with my, you know, limited understanding about um, global warming and global planetary health. And so it really just felt like the right time to, you know, reconnect Emily and pick your brain. I know you've been doing a lot of work 
in this field on your own now um, since we've last connected. So yeah, so I'm, I'm just wicked excited. But before we dive into the meat and potatoes of this topic, just for everybody listening, I wanted to kind of get a sense from you, if you wouldn't mind just sharing what brought you into marine biology, you know, just kind of as a young woman, you know, looking to find your path in life, what drew you to marine biology? Oh, thank you, Mary. I appreciate your introduction. That's kind of a loaded question because <laughs> it's not something that just sparked itself a couple years ago. I've actually been really fortunate to have always known kind of that I that I wanted to get into this field. I mean, I remember just from high school years, even having the path to pursue marine biology, the, the college that I chose, I chose it because they had a marine biology program. So it's been pretty much my whole upbringing. I've lived in Florida my whole life, lived on the coastlines, been at the beach all the time. <laughs> so I, I don't know exactly why I chose marine biology versus a more broader scale of, say, environmental science, but I think there's just something about the otherworldliness of the ocean Ooh. that really drew me in. I mean, as a kid, I was always so enraptured by any kind of uh, story or movie that had other worlds like J.R. Tolkien, Lord of the Rings. I mm. love Lord of the Rings. It's just anything yeah. that kind of takes you to this other world. And the fact that we live in a world where we don't even understand or have explored the majority of it, the ocean, we do, there's so much that we do not even know about it. We know more about the moon than we do about the ocean, which is pretty oh crazy. My that is so crazy. Yeah. So I think it's just that, that mystery is what really drew me in and, and knowing that there's so much to save and so much yet to be discovered that I just, I wanted to learn more about it. And I love that you chose the word otherworldly because then, you know, my mind started going to this place, like here we are living on this planet and we have this other world that is so underexplored or under understood. Um, from your journeys now and your studies and, and discoveries in the work that you're doing, how does this other world of the ocean and marine biology in general, you know, how does it impact planetary health or how is it being influenced by our current state of planetary health? Yeah. So, I mean, just by understanding the whole paradigm of what planetary health is, it's, you know, the health of the planet also influencing our health and what we do to the planet, we ultimately do to ourselves. that interconnectedness, mm. uh, you know, the ocean is a really, really big part of that. And as many of the listeners may know already, you know, climate change is having a really big impact on our ocean via ocean acidification and increasing the temperature of the ocean and also a global sea level rise. So, I mean, that is kind of just an overarching nutshell of, of the big issues that we're mm -hmm. facing, but there are, of course, other cascading effects that go along with that but planetary health for the ocean is, is looking at that big, big picture of what are we doing in our own societies? What are we doing to ourselves and what are we doing to the ocean? And, and how is that relationship mm -hmm. intertwined? 
I love the word relationship. It, it, it actually popped into my head just as you were making that really nice description. It's really inviting us as a species to shift our existing paradigm to a more relational exchange or relationship <laughs> with, with the world around us, with the ocean world for sure. Because I think just historically, we've been a very antagonistic species to the world around us. And certainly to the ocean, it, it almost feels like, you know, out of sight, out of mind. You know, when you think about all of the pollution and the waste and all the dumping into the oceans and, and other bodies of water, can you share a little bit of maybe background on that? Or is that okay? Just that historic perspective and the, and the, the historic injury that the planet has had to endure as a consequence of us kind of, you know, running around like a bunch of crazy people. So like the trauma that the ocean yes, has endured, essentially. <laughs> yeah, I got you. Yeah. So, I mean, if you want to go back to where things really started to take a turn, when we came around humans, we can kind of look at the industrial revolution. That's really what sparked all of this because all of the uh, innovations that humankind had created from the locomotive train to really huge factories that really spiked the emissions, the carbon emissions. Mm -hmm. And from there, it kind of just took off. So from the industrial revolution, we have seen over the course of time, a drastic spike in carbon emissions. And although the earth exhibits cycles, just like many other biological things do here. There has, yes, been periods of warming and cooling that naturally occur on our planet. However, it's really the rate of that change that is driving this whole conversation of climate change. So it's not just that carbon is being released. There are tons and tons of carbon being released all the time, even before humans were around. It's the amount that's being released and it's how fast and how quickly it's being released. That is the problem. And it's the, the shakeup and the imbalance of that whole system that we are causing that is really the problem. So while we are emitting and releasing all of this carbon dioxide, there's only so many natural systems that are able to draw that back down. Okay. And we have not learned how to properly balance that yet. We mm -hmm. know how to do it, but of course there's many economic and political uh, barriers to that and human, you know, natural human yeah. barriers to that. So that's, that's kind of where we're at right now. Well, you know, what, what I thought was so fascinating kind of in the wake of the, of the pandemic and I mean, I didn't verify any of this stuff. I was just like listening to it on the radio or reading on it on my social media about how the atmosphere and, and carbon, I think this is correct, but carbon levels seemed to be falling or there, there seemed to be some effort at like a, an innate healing process that the, that the earth, that the planet itself was almost recovering from the decades and the centuries of insult and injury that humans had been imposing on the planet. Is, was there truth in that or was that just a lot of uh, social media hoo-ha? <laughs> no, no, there was absolutely some truth to that. And while the COVID-19 pandemic has been, you know, one of the biggest 
disasters, I'd say, mm. you know, that we humankind have seen, you know, for a long time, um, you know, causing millions of deaths and just all the the havoc that it's wreaked on our society economically, you know, physically, mentally, especially. There, there at there is actually a lot of good that has come yeah. from it. You know, the whole remote work, that's a completely different story but you know there's there's that but also from a biological standpoint yeah during during the whole quarantine in in the midst of the pandemic when everyone was actually inside not going anywhere not shopping you know physically for the most part a lot of production stopped a lot of transportation stopped and therefore there was a lot of carbon emissions that were saved there's a really, really great documentary on Netflix with Dave, Sir David Attenborough. Okay. Uh, I, I don't know the title of it off the top of my head, but it, but they, they did a whole documentary about the impact, wow. the positive impact that COVID had on wildlife in many places. And yeah. you know, because there were because there were less human traffic in some areas, for instance, there were wildlife coming into mm-hmm. these urban spaces that had never been seen before because yeah. there was less cargo ships going you know, across the Atlantic Ocean. For the first time, whale researchers were able to capture all of these sounds from m- these migratory whales that we had never been able to before because of the sound pollution. Wow. So there's a lot of really great things that came from it. And it gave us a chance to see what our world could be like if we were to reduce our emissions. Um, but of course that was short-lived. Well, so- well, but you know, I mean, I, I, I think, when you were saying that about, you know, there obviously, you know, significant tragedy as a consequence of the pandemic, but there were a lot of insights, you know, definitely insights in healthcare. You know, I mean, people certainly talking about a lot of the burnout that clinicians experience, but it's not so much that COVID caused that, right? It just exposed, you know, the the crazy work environment of healthcare professionals. So I think, you know, taking those discoveries, I mean, from an environmentalist perspective, that's fascinating that the absence of that sound pollution really, you know, increased a better understanding of just the natural order of life, you know, under sea and probably in many other um, environments as well. Do you feel like that there's a good body now of some information that can and passion that can help us take this understanding, this new discovery, and really shift it into some serious activism and advocacy? I mean, I know that there's been a lot of you know advocacy and activism for this, but do we have some more fuel to the fire? Do you, do you think? I do think so. Uh, I mean, just as time progresses naturally, we are learning a lot more about our natural systems. We're learning a lot more about us as a species as well as our history. And I think now more than ever, we have all the tools and resources necessary to make those actions and those solutions a reality. It's, It's more so just the the human barriers that that tend to get in the way of that you know more so the the economic the political barriers mm-hmm. you know just the barriers in themselves 
to planetary health things such as you know authoritarianism social dominance orientation narcissism consumerism you know those things they deserve their own individual time to discuss but you know those are the overarching things that we still have not learned how to overcome as a whole Mm -hmm. yet but we do possess the solutions absolutely Well, I mean, that certainly is good to know that we possess the solutions. And I like how you kind of articulated the scope of the, the, the challenges and, and the issues, even, I mean, from, even from a human perspective, you know, the, the magnitude of systemic oppression and systemic trauma that is just interwoven into every facet of our society. You know, you think about sexism, racism, you know, xenophobia, ageism, ableism, you know, the whole kit and caboodle. I mean, within our own species, we struggle, you know, with that. But I think that, you know, kind of you had spoken earlier about creating or reconnecting with our relationship with, with earth, right? With, you know, more of a, that we're not dominating earth, that we really are in partnership and, and like, is this the right word, um, Emily, like a symbiotic relationship with our planet, right? And with nature. I mean, if the ship goes down, you know, we're going down with the ship, you know, and it just kind of makes sense that, you know, we need to take action for this. But is it fair to ask you, what are some of those solutions that, you know, we can, we can advocate for, you know, I I think there's folks from lots of different walks of life, you know, listening in. And I think, you know, everybody could do their small part, maybe to just kind of get more, you know, feet activated, if you will. Yeah. And I love this question because I, I try to have a different answer because it is such a commonly asked question. There are people that want to know what can I do? And Mm -hmm. so often I hear just your very blanketed response of, recycle and ride your bike and Mm -hmm. you know use less this or less that yeah we are at the point where we should already be doing those things and we need to kind of step it up a little bit and yeah but by stepping it up it doesn't mean we have to try harder we just have to work smarter right and so yeah in that regard, and this is one of the things that I touch on in my class that I teach in my high school class with my, with my students is really delving into understanding high level wellness, because if you can understand and strive for high level wellness within yourself, that will expand to everyone and everything around you. And so without, I guess, going too far in the weeds here, high-level wellness is basically a, it's a strivance towards a higher set of, a higher state of being, what mentally, physically, and spiritually. It is not something you will ever be able to achieve because Mm -hmm. you cannot be perfect, right? But you can always strive to be better mentally, physically, and spiritually. And that sounds so simple, but, you know, there's, there's a whole field of study um, about this. And if you really look into what that means and, and how you can 
achieve and the lifestyle you can live to achieve this, I think the world would be such a better place. And one of the biggest parts of that is having and, and showing empathy, not just to yourself, but to other people and to everything, you know, in our world. Yeah. Oh my goodness. So, so yeah, I am so on board with you, my friend. I think any kind of real sustainable change begins with yourself that it isn't, so, it's not a checklist. And, and we're so hung up with on that. I mean, from a healthcare perspective, that, that makes me cuckoo house. You know, when I think about as a nurse, you know, quantifying or qualifying the service I bring by how many check boxes I make just completely undermines the magnitude and the scope of what it is that I, as a human being, and as a unique human being too, right? I mean, with my own lived experiences can bring to the healing or the journey of healing for another person. But unless I am dialed into that, unless I understand my own story and my own you know, frailties, my own challenges and difficulties, without knowing that I really can't be fully present and aware to the suffering of another, whether that's another human or whether that's another living organism, you know, living animal, living, you know, anything on the planet. So I, I love that you started with that. And I love that you also brought up empathy because I, I mean, I always think of empathy, you know, within the context of human beings and even animals and that sort of thing. But thinking about being empathic to the planet, you know, yeah, it, I mean, that's just really, really powerful. And it, you're giving us language that we understand that we can then broaden our understanding of how to operationalize, you know, these concepts of being compassionate, being empathic, you know, to the flora and the fauna and the planet at large. I mean, that, that is really powerful and, and inspiring. Cause I think I'm sorry, I'm talking so much, but you just really hit a nerve. It's just that idea. I mean, yes, recycling. Yes. You know, use less of this, you know, be conscious of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, And you do hope that most folks are doing this because gee willikers, they've been talking about this since the cows came home, you know, so I hope people are paying attention. Um, But there is so much more and to be able to articulate it in such a personal way, then, you know, it, it fosters that connectedness of, you know, of my well-being can be transmitted and expressed towards, you know, other living beings, other living organisms and other living entities, right? I mean, as the, as the planet at large. Ooh, and you're teaching this to high school kids. Yeah. And so it, it's really all encompassing, right? Because if, you practice that empathy for yourself and for others and for everything around you, that will include every type of environmental action that I could spend an hour listing off one by one, or Mm. I could just be like, why don't we practice more empathy? And then, so that will naturally allow you to be more conscious of what you're throwing away will allow you Mm. to be more conscious of, you know, the materials that you buy and you're thinking about who is making that. Is that, you know, is, is this a product of cheap labor labor? Mm -hmm. You know, when, when I'm done with this product, 
is it just going to sit in a landfill or, you know, right. when I drinking clean water, you know, where is that coming from or how is mm. that impacted by other people? So just that empathy can really, really go a long, long way beyond just those individual actions. So, yeah. you know, practicing that and really getting a better understanding of what that is, is mm-hmm. truly, I think what's going to be most beneficial for us um, as a society. Wow. How awesome was that? Thanks again for listening in. Please join Emily and I next week as we continue our discussion about empathy and compassion for the planet and explore the role our values play in the decisions we make to support planetary health. Showing up on purpose makes a difference, and that difference begins when we care out loud together.